Thanks for joining us on episode 1,141 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I do challenge you to invest in yourself. I challenge you to invest in others in the future, even though that it is uncertain and the, the paths may sometimes be rocky. But in doing so, I'm hoping that it, it can develop an influence. I'm hoping that it can impact the world, utilizing your time, uh, your talent, and treasures to live out your calling, whatever they may be. It may not even be in the same creative avenue that I have explained, but I'm hoping that it can be general enough to help you come to that conclusion. Having the ability to adapt with faith as your journey progresses is, of course, key. Understanding that root of why you choose to do it in the first place. And in plugging this show, one way to be inspired is to listen to inspired stewardship. And I'm not perfect as a business owner. I'm not perfect as an individual. At the same time, I don't try to be because I know that mistakes are going to happen regardless of what I do or don't do. But at the same time, I don't actively look for ways to make. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In this interview with Sebastian Shug, I asked Sebastian about how he invests in others. I also asked him about what he thinks about helping others live out their calling. And I also asked Sebastian about his advice on how to build a powerful network. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Sebastian Robert Shug is an independent multimedia artist currently residing in suburban Burbank, California. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Communication Studies and Political Science and currently spends his time narrating miscellaneous stories. He started out as a YouTuber back in 2013 and he has worked in podcasting, humor, and public speaking. Welcome to the show, Sebastian. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Sebastian, last week we talked a lot about your journey and where you went to in discovering where you are today on your journey to your calling. If somebody, maybe a husband or a wife is listening right now, maybe somebody has a dear friend that they're hearing, and they, they see their friend or, or their spouse struggling with identifying and living out their calling. What are some suggestions, some ideas, some advice that you would give them to help that other person? You know, what do you wish somebody would have told you while you were going through? In my certain scenarios, in the amount of 
relationships and friendships that I've sacrificed along the way, I would suggest to listen to your partner, understand not only when and how to take breaks effectively, but to understand how it affects other individuals. It's very, it's unsettling. And I can only speak from my perspective of myself looking in on how my previous partners probably must have felt, but I'm sure it's very upsetting to see your partner try to internalize what's going on and to work out the problem. Because like I said previously in last week's episode, it's very tough to understand and internalize what is happening. And, and creatively speaking, getting that idea off the ground can be so ridiculously hard that subjectively speaking, it may be impossible to understand and to assist your partner in doing so. That doesn't mean that all hope is lost. Of course, if you happen to be in a situation where, you know, you yourself as the partner, uh, seeing what your partner, you know, is going through, then I would say to essentially sit down with him or her and to try to understand what's, what's going on. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. If it's a matter of getting the business off the ground, for example, it could be as simple as having a conversation of what the interests are in order to either monetize your content, grow your audience, or establish that 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 business. It doesn't have to be a one-person job. And I imagine a lot of people think that it is a one-person job, but pulling up by the bootstraps mentality. There's nothing wrong with that, but of course, there's... Nothing wrong with asking for help here and there. And I wish I would have done that. I, that's Unless I would have heard maybe uh, a specific example, that's really the best way that I can put it. I'm not trying to have a one size fits all, but at the same time, I am because I'm hoping someone could listen to this and, and say, oh, that helped. So, No, I actually think that's, I, I think that's actually a good way of looking at it is it's not about, it's not about, so it, it's a both and. First off, the person has to be willing to to listen and to speak and to ask for help, but the the partner also has to be willing to support and listen and not uh, not get get past the feeling of helplessness. And even listening is helping. I, I think sort of the expectation is that if someone's going through something. The expectation is the problem will be solved. Right. I need but- to solve the problem. The, the kicker to that is that if, if you have that subjective field of starting a business and I don't know how to do it, please help me. That's really a problem that as much as you can either sit down with your partner or someone who's licensed or, you know, hell, even a mentor who has gone through this very same business path, it could be very hard to even come to a solution right then and there. Mm-hmm. And it often comes at the expense of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you have to internalize on your own after you have done so in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. You talked then. You mentioned a mentor, somebody who's gone through it before. One of the things that I've seen people do and is have the opportunity to mentor others, but then push back against it because they're like, "I'm not ready yet. I don't know enough yet. I'm not. I haven't mastered this yet." What advice do you have for people that are maybe getting that opportunity to mentor somebody else, but feel unprepared? It's okay to make mistakes. Please do not buy into the hype 
of mentors standing on stage thinking that they know everything. <laughs> because for as much experience as I have in this topic, and believe me, it, it does not even come close to some of the artistic legends of our time. It's one of those instances where, yes, you do have to learn as you go because the world is constantly changing. Your clientele as well may be constantly changing. And I guess the shift from publishing to YouTube, it's something to the matter of, okay, I'm working with a clientele of, let's say, about mm, six people where I'm publishing their content. And you can afford to have that sort of one-on-one conversational approach with them in order to assist in getting their project off the ground establish some pointers along the way, help them out any way they could. To YouTube, where, you know, as of this current recording, the subscriber count now sits above the 3,000 mark. Obviously, there's no way at all that I could individually go one one by one and assist others in, in either narrating their stories or giving some pointers. And just recently, I started doing so. It initially started with email communication. Then we slowly moved to, to Discord, which is a, you message people on like a server sort of scenario. And that also comes with direct messaging as well. Mm-hmm. So it very much assisted in further connecting with my audience and establishing that relationship and as well that mentorship because individuals do ask how I record certain videos and would like certain pointers. I've made many mistakes in the past. Many that have been in my control and many that have been out of my control. And I'm not perfect as a business owner. I'm not perfect as an individual. At the same time, I don't try to be because I know that mistakes are going to happen regardless of what I do or don't do. But at the same time, I don't actively look for ways to make, you know, excuse my language, but an ass out of myself. Mm-hmm. If I do happen to do or if I did happen to do, I do apologize. I'll attempt to not make those mistakes again, but I can't promise that I won't make mistakes, period, either as a mentor or as an individual. But to, to, put it, to put it bluntly, I'm always learning, but believe that if you are in a situation where you are a mentor, keep learning. Keep making those mistakes, but be transparent with those mistakes that you are, what's the word, like siphoning down? Like it goes down the chain where you're the teacher, this person's the student, you're going to make mistakes. Be transparent with that and offer new solutions as time progresses. How do you see what you're doing today as investing and developing others? You just mentioned the you know Discord and and other ways of reaching out where used to you did it one to one how do you see what you're doing today is is helping to develop or or invest in other people a lot of people come to me with whether it be questions about narrating a certain story or about audio technicalities or, or visual of or visual technicalities rather they often come to me with this this inkling to learn again i'm not here to put myself on a pedestal I think when you have a somewhat established brand or identity, people that people like and enjoy, they often wonder, okay, who's the man behind the entity? You know? mm-hmm. I didn't so much get that question when I was in publishing, maybe because I really didn't have an audience while in publishing. So in YouTube, this is my first, I don't want to say spark at fame, because 
I, I look at myself comparatively to other YouTube channels where they're in the hundreds of millions. Yeah. And I look at myself as a small fry in the feeder pond and I'm just like, okay. Have you yeah. ever been in a room with three? It's yeah, no, it's very unsettling. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I think if I were to, I think if I were to do that, I, it would be a much different perspective or, you know, answer to that question. Yeah, that's it. I, I've, I've actually stood on a stage with 5,000 people in the audience and spoke to them. That's a lot of people. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what? I've never been posed that question before. It, it catches you off guard because 3,000, that's, it's not a lot as a number on a, on a computer screen, but in a room, that's, <laughs> yeah, that is something, but, oh God, I, I lost my time. <laughs> but uh, regarding to, yeah, investing in others. I assist however I can, whether it be with mm -hmm. general questions or something along the lines of well, maybe it might be a mentorship. Take everything, one, with a grain of salt because it is all online. There is an abstract component to it, but also on a case-by-case -case basis. Obviously, I, I try to have the time to assist with every single one of the, you know, the inquiries that come my way. I know as the audience grows, I know fully well that I can't do so it's better to compartmentalize and succinctly do it in a way that addresses a general audience rather than uh, an individual. And that's the transition that I've had to have as the audience grows. Mm -hmm. But the, the lessons that I learn along the way as an individual, I hope to put out there for my audience as things to learn or topics to take into consideration. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna circle back. Your, your homework is assignment is to actually think about what three thousand people in a room would look oh, like. <laughs> Sorry, I can't take the coaching hat off. That. No, it, it's such a it's such a great question though because nobody has ever asked me that. You put six seven people of you know what I was used to seven years ago. In contrast to now, and it's just I think when you have that number associated with you. No matter how small that is, and even that small 3,000 number is big, there is an expectation and a reputation that you have to uphold. Seven, seven people, you, you can get away with, I wasn't like this, but you can get away with effectively acting like an ass and blowing off people. With 3,000, you really can't because there's a lot more, there's a lot more people. There's more eyes. A lot more scrutiny. Yeah, mm -hmm. a lot more eyes. Yeah. And again... It's a version of that comparison trap that you were talking about earlier with Instagram of, I don't have a hundred thousand people, therefore I'm not successful. But if you've got 300, how is that not good? In other words, it's, it, there's always going to be a bigger fish, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So do you really want, you know, to compare yourself to the bigger fish or do you want to, and, and that's not to say you don't want to keep growing and you don't want to keep, you know, making it bigger and all of these things. It's be content with what you have while also growing the next thing, yeah. which is a weird hat to have on. Right. Last week, you talked a little bit about the community that you've built. And then this week, this has come up again. And how do you see building a network, building a community. How is that related to this idea of developing and investing others? It's incredibly important. Initially, I began with establishing that community through more, back then, practical, pragmatic approach through LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the Facebook for 
business, essentially, mm-hmm. and is where you can showcase yourself in a more practical, dare I say, entrepreneurial light. Now, I, I that was another sort of reckless abandonment on my part because I'd amassed over, I have amassed rather over, I think 21,000 connections. And that was only because that I felt it was necessary to essentially be all that I could be on this space. It's, I think I took the whole like adding friends on Facebook or adding friends on MySpace or whatever was popular back then when I was a kid, probably Facebook to heart, but in a more business approach. I wasn't the type of person who had 5,000 friends on Facebook, but I did have 21,000 friends on LinkedIn. And in that regard, I thought that the more eyes that I had on me, the more people would potentially tune into my content. LinkedIn has this algorithmic categorizational approach. I'm not sure if any of those two were words where it matches you with with individuals and and entities and corporations that are like-minded. Obviously, Mm -hmm. if I put myself as an artist, I'm going to be matched with a bunch of artists. And that's essentially what happened. And as an artist, of course, it's it's very effective to to grow that network because a lot of people, I think, struggle with the two-pronged approach that is art with A, creation, and B, monetization and advertising. So having that in or having that lead or having that that, that push any way that I could, I knew early on that, okay, I'm, I'm 15, 14, 15, around that age, and I have this great gig as a children's book illustrator. Nobody I know on my high school campus has this opportunity. How do I grow this now? And that was really the, the, the fire that started it all because it, I knew that opportunities don't come like this, don't come like this. Mm-hmm. And I had to not so much live in, li- I'm not living in the shadow of what I once was. I'm not, I don't consider myself washed up in the same regard as maybe a Hollywood actor, but I knew that establishing that network was important. And in doing so and learning how the sausage gets made, I could grow and harness the skills needed to invest in others, in mentoring others, paying it forward. Of course, I didn't end up paying it forward until I was an age to do. I started when I was 15, and I consider myself doing just that when I'm 22, 23 years old. Mm -hmm. So it did take some time. It took a lot of experience. It took a monumental failure of a business that I now take in stride because, you know, I could spend my days being beat up over that fact, but... I'm not going to. It propelled me, I think, in a much more positive direction. You can follow Sebastian on YouTube as CBass Official or find him over on his website at SebastianShug.com. He's also active on LinkedIn as Sebastian R. Shug. uh, That's spelled S-C-H-U-G. And I'll have links to all of that over in the show notes as well. Sebastian, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yes. Scott, my friend, I just wanted to take this time and say that thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor 
go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.